Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Josh Lindsay, from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with us is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hey, Josh. Hi, Christian. I'm great. How are you? Good. Good to see you. Thank you. We're still zooming along here. And uh, also zooming with us is our research extraordinaire, button-pushing guy, Jason Rugg. Hey there. Hey, Hey, Jason. And back for more action is our executive producer, David Patterson. Hello, David. Hey. (laughs) Hey, David. Uh, We had so much fun last time. We're like, why wait? Let's just do it again, right? (laughs) Well, we sort of had some late-breaking news that needed needed an executive producer perspective who has a little bit of film festival experience. Well, let's dive right in. Christian, what is the late-breaking news in the film festival world? Well, we heard back from our very first film festival last night, um, and I am still reeling with a little bit of the rejection hangover, I have to say. Uh, We were not selected to be part of AFI Silver Docs in Washington, D.C., Um, which I think is going to be an online screening in June, I think around June 17th. So that was the second film festival we'd entered, but the first one we heard back from, and the answer was a no. Do they give you anything beyond a no? No, it sucks (laughs) so much. (laughs) They just like, you know, there were so many... Um, you know, there's so many great films and we're sorry you were not selected. We wish you the best. It's kind of exactly like your college, you know, rejection letter. And uh, the first one really stings. And I, the, the funny thing is I perseverated over this. I'm sure David was about to kill me for like weeks because I was like, we still haven't heard. It's getting closer. I think this means a no. And then I wrote them and said, I just want to make sure you're going to let us know Uh, because we have to figure out our festival strategy. And they wrote back and they said, oh, yes, there's going to be so many that we've accepted from Film Freeway, which is how we submitted. So then I got my hopes up and I was like, who does this mean? He's sending me a secret message that maybe we were selected. So and then, you know, the answer is no. So. But that's just part. I mean, I mean, you're you have experience acting, you know, voiceover and yes. even and then you know regular acting prior to that. So you're you're not new to rejection. No, I'm not new to rejection, but this was felt really really different and I you know, I'm processing why. I think um I have always known no matter how many film festivals we submit to, we're going to only get in probably to a small percentage. Um so far let's say we've submitted to 65 roughly. So even, uh, you know, a 10% return on those selections is really a small percentage, you know, small number of film festivals that we get in. Now, I think we'll be in more than that. But the question is, you know, what is the quality of film festival we will get in? And so we shoot for the stars, we hope for the stars, but we have not been judged by a jury of our peers. So we, um, we know the film is good. We know it's moving to people. We know it's an incredible story. We've seen lots of emotional responses to our film, but yet it's never been in competition with any other films. So we have no idea how it's going to play in the marketplace and what people are going to think about it when it's judged by a jury of our peers. And so I told Christian while she was kind of panicking, I said, I sent her two lines. I said, stay the course and don't hump a horse. 
And uh, she said to me, I don't understand what that means. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand what that means either. <laughs> and, and, and first of all, it means Dave's at least three drinks into his evening. Uh, <laughs> but, but what it basically meant is, yes, it makes no sense at all. And that's, that's what the fe festival process means. I mean, there are good films that don't get made, uh, that don't get seen. My theory about this, um, which will be one of the bigger challenges for us, is a lot of festivals are going online. That will make their decision process different than it has been in the past. Why? Who goes online? Mostly younger people. Mm -hmm. Go to film festivals. More older people than you think. It's generally an age group of, now you say the young filmmakers go to film festivals, yes, but film festivals themselves are supported by the community. And a lot of that community are people who are older that still like to go to the theater. They'd like to support film. The median age is 40 and above. So now that they know they're not gonna be filling these theaters with them, they have to access those people that they normally won't. And guess what? People 50 and above, maybe not so much interested to go to a look at a film festival online. So their decisions will be made on What's hot? What's controversial? What can we get out there? What can we promote to really get young eyes who are the more active people online to watch our festival? Now, down the road, they may go back to the traditional sense. In fact, they have to. Um, festivals will not survive uh, online with the prestigious elements that they normally encompass. And eventually, unless we're all dead, uh, we will go back to a form of normalcy with festivals and festivals attendance. But we know even with one of the festivals uh, early on, which we have not heard from, the and I'm not going to mention the name because I'm about to say some bad stuff about them, um, is <laughs> the um, festival um, program or the lead person said, in these changing times, we're going to change our direction and concepts of what a film festival is. Now you and I go, well, what does that mean? Well, exactly. That means they've decided now to change their application process almost of what they're gonna decide to show online, whether it's because they wanna show something that shows more pathos, although I think we got great pathos in our film uh, in it, but, Things are askew from this point on when deciding upon what festivals to show online. And the simple fact is certain things look better on a phone or on a small screen than they do on a main screen. Our movie is something to be seen in a movie theater. Simple, simple fact is it's in all its glory, it's war, uh, in the celebration of war, celebration of humans, celebration of love, dedication, friendship throughout the ages, doesn't look great on an iPhone. I'll be the, perf the first person to say that. Well, and you just can't get the scope of the story like you can in a theater. And I agree with you. I've seen this on screens. I've seen it on TVs. I've seen it in a theater. And the difference of seeing our film in a theater and at home is 
remarkable. It's like night and day because when you're in the atmosphere and you're experiencing this thing with a group of other people, what you're feeling, the emotion you're feeling when you're hearing people laugh or when you're hearing them cry, it adds to the movie itself. And so it's a much more rich experience. And I think that's why our movie plays so well in a theater. And, and I do think that you're right. If someone, if a, if a director of a festival has not seen the actual film and doesn't understand the power of this moment that we're in, uh, they're not going to think that this film is a good one to screen now. And oftentimes you may not make it past young interns watching a film. Do you, that's my question. Do you have any idea, I don't know if there's a percentage or, or anything where, how many of these film festivals actually screen the entire films? Are they watching trailers? Are they watching 10 minutes and turn it off? Like how much are they actually seeing? Well, one of the things that you got going, the bigger the festival, the more submitted films. So, you know, say Sundance, they get about 15,000 films submitted each year. Whereas another festival may just get 3,500. That's still a sizable number. Um, we are not applying to Joey Falcone's Backyard Barbecue Film Festival. We are submitting to big festivals that get a large amount of submissions. Um, they promise you the film is watched in, in entirety, but I would say the majority of festivals just don't do that. They, they want to. Uh, but again, when you're talking about thousands of, of films, the general rule of thumb, and since I'm on the advisor for several film festivals, I know this for a fact, generally they'll watch the first, if it's obviously a short, if they don't get through your short, you're in a lot of trouble. But if uh, they tend to look at the first 10 to 20 minutes of a film, and if they're not in it by 10 minutes, they're already against you. If they're not in it by 20 they may turn off the film. And the fact is, you know, they're salesmen too. They have to convince the next level, because it usually goes through two, sometimes three people to say, this should be in our festival. This is what we want to be in our festival. Um, the biggest challenge is no one wants to watch a thousand movies. So generally the screeners are kids and I say kids, which is basically anyone 30 or younger because I'm 112. But it's generally younger people and actually college kids or even younger, young filmmakers who want to be uh, participatory in the film festival because they know one way or another that helps them make connections down the road. So again, most of the judges, at least on the first level, are young folks that are used to looking at something on their phone for TikTok uh, attention span. So if something's not grabbing them in the first five minutes, it's already danger, uh, danger, Will Robinson, and then 10 minutes and 15 minutes. So it, it's tough, um, even for really good films. And I've seen really good films that haven't gotten to festivals where I'm like, it makes absolutely no sense, except for the TikTok generation of doesn't grab them in the first five minutes. Um, so that is one of the biggest challenges is, is actually getting the entire film seen uh, by judges. And, you know, we used to say it got much more difficult over years at festivals simply because more people were making more movies, which is true. Um, but that also means more people were making bad movies. 
So instead of having to look at 500 bad movies for your film festival, you're now having to look at 1,500 movies with 500 bad ones mixed in. Um, so it is, it is climbing a big hill. Um, I've, yeah. been, I've been married for 30 plus years, so I'm really used to rejection and no. So, uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm here all night. Uh, I don't take it as personally. And also I've done several films. So this is Christian's, you know, first biggie. And so it stings a no stings. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think too, you know, and one thing that I've learned going through this process is every film festival has its own personality, its own focus, its own everything. And so depending on what message they want to be giving to the world at a particular time or how they want to be seen, you know, depends on what films, it's not just is a film good, it's does it, is it what our film festival wants to be showing? So there are lots of hoops that we have to jump through as a film to meet the metrics that a film festival may want. And like, we're not going to be screening or even submitting to a horror film festival, right? Because we don't fit. Uh, we're going to where would where do we fit? Well, we fit in film festivals with uh, you know for sure a patriotic focus or an international focus or an international relations focus. Um, one where you know they're focused on unity and love and peace and you know good vibes and stuff like that. We're not gritty. We're not raw. We're not exposing things. We're not controversial, and that may work against us in some film festivals. So I do. What you just your point right there with the festival that we just got in, or did not get into, it's based in D.C. Yeah. Someone could have one of the younger people looking at this said, you know what, we don't want to be political right now. You know, yeah. and the film isn't political. It's patriotic, but, as we said. It's really about Americans uh, working hard with an other countrymen to to solve a really horrific problem. But someone could say, yeah, it's political and we need to steer clear of politics right now. It could have been as simple as that. Um, yeah. So, you know, and at the end of the day, this I will get comfortable with rejection, you know, as we go on, it's the same in acting. The first few I did were torturous and it makes you want to quit and you never want to go again. But I have learned over time that it isn't necessarily, I learned as an actor, when I get a rejection, it's nine times out of 10 has nothing to do with me. I just, I wasn't tall enough. I didn't fit with the other actor. My voice, they want a man, they don't want a woman. You know, it could be 101 things. I could look like the director's mother and he doesn't want her in the film. You know, it could be whatever. Um, and so I've learned over the time not to take that personally. And that that's true here. I know that our film will be right um, and find its home in several festivals. The question is, you know, my big question is, I have no idea where I fit on the spectrum. Can I compete with, you know, bigger directors and people that have more of a resume than I have? Um can I be, can I get into these film festivals that I'm shooting so high for? I don't know, but um, we'll find out. I, I have a question, Christian, you mentioned the word strategy, your film festival strategy. Beyond picking film festivals that meet your genre, you know, don't enter a, a horror film festival, that's obvious. W what, what else can you do besides just enter as many as possible? Right. Like, can this you really is, adjust your strategy right now? This is why David has so been so critical. So I had to then look at 
um, you know, where we go next last night, even before I talked to David today, or we talked through this on the podcast, because when you're developing a festival strategy, what we did from the beginning is we targeted where we wanted to come out, where we wanted our, uh, you know, world premiere to be, or our North American premiere, or our American premiere, or our European, or our French, or our whatever. And a lot of the big film festivals have rules and regulations where if you've premiered somewhere else, you're not eligible for their film festival. And so before coronavirus, you know, there was a requirement about a lot of them, let's say Toronto, we really wanted to be in the Toronto Film Festival and wanted to be that, that to be our North American premiere. It's in September. And they have a regulation, David, correct me if I'm wrong, but it does have to be a North American premiere, correct? Which fest was this again? Toronto. Yes. So we knew that we could, um, you know, get into one in Europe, but if we wanted to be in Toronto, we certainly couldn't be in another film festival in the in North America. Now, if we'd have gotten into AFI docs, AFI docs would have been comparable to getting into Toronto for a documentary. And so that would have been okay. And we wouldn't have needed to be in Toronto. Right, David? Right. Uh, talking about festival strategy, what, what we're aiming for is we're aiming for the larger documentary festivals or festivals, you know, just big festivals. But uh, primarily for us is doc festivals because we're not, I'm Scottish, so I really don't care about entertaining people. I just care about money. And so, you know, I, I want to I sell the movie. And so why we are focusing on the larger documentary festivals is because the buyers come to those festivals to look at the movies. And when we say buyers, it's, say, HBO Docs or CNN Docs or any of the major cable companies, but also distributors foreign distributors come to, to buy films to sell to other nations of, of documentaries. Um, and, and in our, our respect, companies that want to license properties for educational or, or uh, like colleges and stuff like that, see properties that they see an avenue for, since this has a historical basis, uh, they might want to be able to go after the educational uh, institutions, marketing and, and licensing. Um, so the idea of going after these festivals is not to show it. I, I honestly don't care if one person sees it. I, I want someone to buy it. I know that sounds horrible. <laughs> but, but if one person sees it, I want it to be that one person who says, hey, I'd like to buy your film. Uh, yeah. and, and I'm joking. I, I, I've done over hundreds of festivals with all my films, and I love the whole process, and I love people's responses. But in the end, the idea is to get your money back and hopefully some profit, and that's by selling the film to as many potential um, avenues as possible. Uh, yeah, and the film festival is the gateway to that. And so the higher the film festival, uh, the more prestigious, the more media attention, um, all of those things go, in, go into the buzz about your film and whether or not buyers see your film as a good investment. And the way that festival circuit works is basically you have the shelf life of about a year of your film from your first festival till about a year following. Now with docs, it's actually a little different because there's some fests that don't accept docs. So you have about 14, 16 months 
with a documentary to run the festival circuit. The way I like to ex explain it to people who know nothing about the business is that the festival circuit is sort of like a very long runway. Um, your, your movie is your airplane. So your very first festival, you're sort of taxiing the airplane out onto the runway for people to go, ooh, look how shiny that is. <laughs> and, and, and then as you start running down the runway, that's the additional film festivals where people go, wow, look at that, look at that. And then when you finish your festival run, you're, you're launching into the air. And so hopefully by then, one of the people somewhere along that runway goes, you know, that looked great. I've been following it. Other people saw it farther down the runway. It's doing even better. I want that. I want that airplane. Look at it flying. And, and when I say look at it flying, hopefully you've picked up awards, accolades, reviews from some of the local papers. You have things to show. So the, the launch of your movie, my feeling is, the most important launch is when you take off of that runway, which is the very end of a very long runway. So we are just taxiing out. And actually, you know, the, our initial crowd, we got out there, no one's there because they canceled on us. So, you know, yes, we can be bummed, but we didn't get a chance to show off the airplane yet. So basically, we're just going a little farther down that runway, but we haven't lost any time or anything because we haven't started really the taxiing. You know, we haven't started moving down that runway. It's just we have to adjust on where the runway is. Can you can you say no to a film festival if it's in your advantage? Like, you, let's say you, you get accepted by two film festivals and they're contradictory. Like, you, can you say no to one? So let me, before we answer that, let me say this. As part of the festival strategy, now we've thrown another variable in the mix. And that is that... Film festivals are in, uh, you know, the Wild West now and everything has changed and nobody knows what's going to happen or what the landscape looks like. And the response to the COVID time is you've had some that have canceled, you have some that have postponed, and you have some that have gone online. And so that changes the dynamic of everything and it changes the decisions of every filmmaker. And so where because a lot of these big film festivals have a provision that says if you've, well, all of them, if you've streamed online, you are not eligible to be in the film festival. So that's going to cause us, you know, we're going to have to think about that before we like make decisions. And here's another one. This is a particular problem as I was looking at our upcoming list. So the very first film festival that we have not heard back from yet they said they would postpone, but they haven't told us when. They haven't told us what it would be like. They haven't told us anything. So we don't know what, it, what even to do with that. This, the AFI docs told us we didn't get in. So the next one, we have two in July that we have entered. FID Marseille in France, that's July 7. And then one in Hamilton, New York, which is like July 20th. So... Um, depending on whether or not we get in there is going to determine. So if we didn't get into FID, which that would be a great place for us to have a world premiere or in a European and a French premiere because it's, you know, in France. And so that would be wonderful. But if we don't get in there, are we going to want to have our coming out party at a small festival in Hamilton, New York I, online? If they go online, I don't know if that will make sense for us. And so we may have to make a decision there. 
So, I mean, there will be larger festivals farther down the road. They go, where have you screened already? And they could just say, you know what? You've screened at a festival that's not of our caliber. So we're going to pass. And so we had the opportunity to submit to, we were invited to submit to Traverse City Film Festival, which was Michael Moore's film festival. We thought, well, if we don't get into AFI docs, then maybe our coming out party will be at Traverse City. That's a well-respected, high-caliber film festival. Well, they've canceled. So they're not doing one at all this year, not until next year. And what particularly stings with that festival is you have to be invited to apply which we did. They reached out to us and obviously picked up about our film one way or another and said, could you please uh, submit to our festival? We're very interested in you. And so we thought, hey, this is a great thing. And then they bag. Um, you know, obviously there's so many serious, much more serious things happening in the world. So, you know, you can be angry, but you can also be understandable as well. It's, it's disappointing. Um, you can say we were robbed, but since other people were getting robbed of their lives, again, it's, it's, it's a very different world. Um, but as an artist, it's, it's very frustrating. Well, the question is going to be not only for me, but millions of filmmakers who are all in the same boat as I am. What does this mean for your film? What does this mean for your next film? Like, I mean, it really, just like it's causing problems with all over the world with not only with people's lives, but also with their livelihood, um, you know, it's going to affect things. And we have no idea how that's going to play out. And we are going to have to make some decisions. And um, so, and that's why I'm so glad we do have David, because I am, at least he has a clue. I have no clue and would never know how to navigate this. Well, I have a kind of steer the conversation a little bit differently. Um, any idea? I mean, like Christian, you're a, a female filmmaker. Um, and I got to imagine film festivals are looking for good female directors and producers. H how does that come into play? Well, there are some film festivals that when you fill out the application, they'll ask you, are you a first time film director? And are you a female? Almost everyone asks you that. So they do care about that. And they are looking for uh, some of them even have categories that you can enter for first time directors. And so I, you have to pay extra for that. Like, so when you go to fill out your festival, you can enter it into different categories. Like you can enter it into just the documentary category, or you can enter it into maybe they have a cinematography category or a composer category or a first time filmmaker category. Um, but you have to pay for each entry. And so where we were given the option to uh, enter as a first time director or a female director, I did that. And so they sometimes their categories, and that's a great thing for us because it funnels you into a smaller um, competition. So if I just am applying as a documentary, it's a big field, but if I'm applying as a female, it's smaller and a first time female, it's even smaller. Yeah, I mean, that is one of the huge pluses for her. As an old white dude, I, I, I have no pull in the film business. Nobody wants to hear from another old white dude. <laughs> so to have, a, you know, a female director, it's very important. A, a, female, a female director is, is what a lot of festivals are looking for. And that's the other thing that is, is uh, the frustration element is 
when they look at your films, they also say, hmm, who could, who would we bring, you know, as a guest, possibly for panels, uh, you know, to, because that's always, all festivals generally have panels as well. And they want to let the local audiences intermingle with, uh, you know, filmmakers and go to these lectures and the filmmakers talk about their experience. And, you know, Christian's the gold standard, basic, basically nowadays. It's a first-time female filmmaker who decided uh, that, you know, after she's done a lot with her life to get into the film business. You know, she's not a 20-year-old, you know. You're 28 ish. And, uh, <laughs> but you know, she, you know, she has life experience, which is very valuable to, um, audiences, not just the filmmaking audiences, but the people that go to film festivals, they're like, wow, I want to hear, I want to hear this gal's story. It's an incredible story. And so now that you're losing that, uh, one thing that I can say so far that I've seen with the film festivals that are going online, panels are, not a priority. Uh, the, the priority is getting the figuring out how to do this massive thing with um, showing the films and panels. If they can put it together, they will, but it's not a priority. So again, she's going up against that, or we are going up against that. Um, that since they're just going to be going online with the movie. It's really just going to complicate matters to, to have uh, lectures and even as simple as Zoom seems to be to try to set something that up like that for a couple hundred or a couple thousand people to view online, it starts to get complicated. And Has it come up, up from your end to say, well, hey, film festivals are hitting the pause button or they're going online. Why don't we hit the pause button? You know, jump back on the film festival when it's back to normal. Our feeling, or my feeling, actually, I think our feeling is, our film was about World War II. This is the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II. Um, we need to try to take advantage of that. The simple fact is to say, oh, okay, well, we can do it next year, absolutely. Um, my feeling is we're, we're ready to go on the runway. Um, is it going to be a bumpy, <laughs> bumpy runway to start? Absolutely. Yes. Um, well, here's the other thing. We've already invested. I do not know. I haven't counted it up, but we've already invested at least $5,000 in film festi festival entry fees. And so, you know, if you pull out, you lose that money. So we're not going to do that. Um, right now, we have um, two film festivals that we still have to hear back in July. We have no film festivals we submitted to in August. We The large majority of them are film festivals in September and October. We have a few in November and one in December. So, um, and all of those festivals have not weighed in about what they're doing because nobody knows. So nobody knows if they're going to postpone, cancel, or go online. And we are just going to have to retool every single time we get a new piece of information and figure out what's the wisest thing for us to do. We, you know, if we don't, I mean, there may be, we may not have the opportunity to come out this year. Everything may cancel or postpone, or we may not get in. So we may not have the opportunity. And, and we, our first opportunity will be next 
January or February. Now, the interesting thing is we did get into one film festival in April, way before the coronavirus even hit. I think we were accepted in February, but it's the Beach City International Film Festival, which is a very small local film festival, which we, you know, we're going to have to figure out what to do depending on what happens before April of next year. Oh, I see. You're you're in a film festival April 2021. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I see. Okay. So Which you're hoping that you'll have premiered somewhere yeah. else before it, then. Right. So that's we not the just premiere. we just assumed, I mean, you know, there are a few film festivals that are notable, that are high caliber that we feel strongly we would get into. Um before that, which is why I I submitted. I didn't think it was going to be a problem, uh, you know, back in February. So I thought, oh, well, of course we will have had our coming out party by then. So it's not going to matter if we also show there. We will have premiered in North America and the United States and Europe and France. Maybe I was overthinking things, but um, yeah. So when we talk about festival strategy, I mean, literally, we talk about this every day or every couple of days whenever we get new pieces of information. There's a film festival in Italy, and, and I think the film festivals are having trouble figuring out how to communicate with people. I look at, looked at our spreadsheet, and I realized there was a festival in Italy that was supposed to happen in June. And I'd never heard of from them, not anything, not we're going to postpone or whatever. So I went to their website, which is all in Italian and tried to click it and make it English. It was still all in Italian. And I finally had to write them because they had made a COVID statement, but I didn't, couldn't read it. And so they told me that they were, uh, I think they said they're gonna postpone, but of course they have no idea when. Um, the Maui Film Festival that was supposed to be in June said they were gonna postpone, but they haven't said when. The Melbourne Film Festival that we entered said they were canceling until next year. So um, some of them are communicating, some of them are not, and some of them we'll just have to wait and see. But also even there, there's miscommunication because they're saying they've canceled, but they took our money. So does that mean that we're still under consideration uh, for next year or just, no, we canceled, we're keeping your money? I would think they would have to at least come and tell us that they're keeping our money and not (laughs) considering us. You know, it's... um, well, Melbourne did. Melbourne said, you can make the choice. We're okay. canceling and you can get a rerun, rerun, retur- refund, thank you. Uh, or you can stay in consideration and be considered for next year, which is what we did. Because yeah, we will so. not be like screening anywhere else in Australia because they wanted an Australian premiere. And the one thing that we do have an advantage to is it is a documentary. Um, festivals are far more fickle with um, dramatic films and, you know, just regular movies, as, as they say. Uh, they're much more uh, demanding about premieres because in many cases they want to bring movie stars or television stars to the, um, to the festival. Um, so that's why they demand a premiere status because that means they may have a better chance of bringing in some known talent to attend the fest. Whereas in our doc, you know, it's, it's history based. Um, we all think they're rock stars and celebrities, but for the most important, most basic fact is, you know, they're the average Joe and average Josephine, uh, both French and American. So uh, we have more options to submit to top tier documentary festivals 
because they are they have a lot more leeway um, on on when um, and if there's a premiere status. So where do we go from here? Just wait. Well, it changes by the day. That's what's so <laughs> crazy. Um, we need we need that first audience. Like I said, bringing it out of the hangar, we need to know where the first audience is, because since everything is, I want to say a free fall, but it's not even a free fall. It's kind of a free freeze right now, um, and it's not even a complete freeze. It's kind of a thaw, or or, <laughs> or a thaw, and then a refreeze, depending on how many people get sick in a certain area. I mean, there are absolutely no rules, and yeah, we're you, in the wild west. Well, people, I was going to say, you say the Wild West, but then actually all of a sudden you're in the East or, you know, you're in the <laughs> South. I mean, that's the thing. There's so many challenges. So part of our strategy is once we have a yes, is to start reaching out to distributors. And these are the people, these are the audiences that want to see that long, shiny runway. We say, hey, we got our first audience, this fest. Um, we just want to let you know it's our first fest. It's one of many, but wanted to have you guys keep your eyes on it because at some point these buyers and distributors are going to need property. If nothing's getting made, you know, they're going to need to start buying content to sell. And they're like, Oh, that's right. Um, that first time female filmmaker, the doc, uh, let's take a look at that. I know it's not finished. It's festival run. But we need to look at some stuff. We need to make some decisions. We need to get some content, and we need to sell some stuff. So I, I, I have a question about that. I mean, if you make a film, you can just Google film festivals and find it that way. But but how do you find you know distributors and, and potential buyers? You just can't look them up. I, mean, I imagine, David, that's where you come in. Uh, and how do you reach out to these people or companies? Well, a lot of them I've met before um, at festivals, and just my experience over time with all the festivals, not only have I met these, but then I have friends who have gotten their films done. So I'm like, were you happy with this distributor? And they go, no, that person stunk. Don't go with them. Or I was very happy with this distributor and use my name. I mean, the one thing about being in the industry for a while, if, if you're not a D-I-C-K, um, people remember you and say, oh, yeah not a bad guy or not a bad gal or um, it, it, it really honestly is like any other business. And that is why uh, it was such a godsend literally for us to meet David because he is a nice guy and he has a lot of relationships and made them over the years and cultivated them wisely. So he uh, and he's used his chips very sparingly. And so, and he doesn't just invest in anything that he doesn't really believe in. And so Fortunately, he really believes in me and he believes in this film and the message and he's able to put his or willing to put his name on it and take it to the people that he trusts and says, look, you really need to look at this. And he's already done that. I mean, he's reached out already directly to people that he knows in the industry and, um, you know, he'll continue to do that. Um, but that's why it's so important for someone like me to partner with someone who's much more experienced and has more contacts in the industry, because it does come down to who, you know, getting your foot in the door, the film will speak for itself, but you do have to have somebody with inside knowledge, unless you, unless lightning strikes, you know, 
So, you know, asking specifically what are the next steps? Well, we I did reach out to FID Marseille today and said, you know, I did need to get an idea of when they were going to let people know their timeline because they hadn't posted that anywhere. And I just said, you know, I really feel like, again, I made a personal pitch about what a wonderful time it is and what a, a, a media, uh, I think, opportunity it would be to bring this film to France during this liberation celebration year. I mean, the film festival that takes this film uh, if particularly in France, when there are no D-Day ceremonies and they celebrate their liberation from June 6th, actually it's from May, May, all the way through August, all over France, everywhere where battles happen. And so, you know, it's a wonderful opportunity for a French film festival to show this film this year. And so I sort of made that plea to them and we'll see what they say. But, um, you know, that's what we're waiting to hear from next. I would love right. to get in there. It would be an amazing thing. So, well, it just sounds. I mean, this sounds. Uh, you know, nobody wants to get rejected, and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I have no doubt it stung. But it sounds like it's par for the course. You know, and and uh, you don't want it to be too easy, right? You want a good story to tell. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's for All sure. Right. For sure. So. Well, cool, Christian. Is there anything else we need to know uh, about what's coming down the pipe? We still need donations. Um, you know, we're scraping the bottle of the barrel. I still need to finish paying my editor. I also have to pay for some rights for things. And so we need your prayers for people's support and donations if people can make them um, for sure. And follow us on social uh, on the social media platforms. We're going to start putting up some exciting things for D-Day and Memorial Day and stuff like that. So, yeah, share awesome. us with your friends. Well, David, thanks for joining us again. We appreciate you as the executive producer and the other uh, 10 jobs you have. So keep going strong. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Yeah. Uh, And uh, thank you for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you can be the one to tell it. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we really would appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about the girl who wore freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email, and sign up for our newsletter at Normandy Story. Please go to normandystories.com slash donate to make a donation today.